0: So up next, we've got our keynote speakers. I knew you guys would be a little bit low on energy at this time of the day. Uh, We've still got a TBR coming up. We're gonna push through. Uh, Please just respond. I see the response rate's very low. Our keynote speaker or guest speakers for today is um, and Saseko. I'll leave it up to them to introduce themselves because I'm I'm sure I won't be able to do justice to it, but please just give them a, a hand of welcome. Good uh, good afternoon everybody. Um, it's great uh, great when your equipment works. Hold on one second here. Okay. It's great when you're scheduled scheduled on a on a Friday afternoon. It uh, makes you nervous, yeah? um, but it's great to see that so many people are, are still here. So in case you weren't sure I'm Piers and this is the circle If you <laughs> had it the right way around, I'm not sure. But um, um, so um, this afternoon, we're going to share a little bit of uh, uh, a story, which which um, uh, which we were very privileged to to enjoy and uh, to experience. Um, in fact, uh, I don't know how many of you here have seen the the movie Beyond the River. Could uh, could just put your hand up if you've if you've seen the film? Um, okay, so we've got a smattering, we've got a few, which is uh, which is great. So the film was based on. Uh, on Saseko and my, my journey together, and um, you know, Hollywood is not reality, but uh, I hope that the real story is, is just as um, exciting, so I'm going to start, um, until you. Uh, in fact I'm going to start by showing you a short uh, video clip which will kind of contextualize what, what it is we're going to talk about, then uh, I'll tell you a little bit about um, my story and background in the, in the lead up to, to meeting Saseko and, and he'll uh, follow on by doing uh, the same. Uh, some sort of a documentary, something to to just lift the sport and uh, lift the, the initiative that was the Soweto Community and Recreation Club. Uh, so that was the beginning. Um, then we met with uh, Robbie Thorpe and, and Craig Frymand uh, and Ronnie Atiket. Uh, guys in the film industry, and they said to us, you know, that's all fine and well, but if you really want to do something big, we think this could be a feature film. Three, two, one, go. Oh! So it's like a machine. He's won nine goals in
1: the doozy. Next year I want to do the race. Maybe I can do it with you. I was, I was happy, and it was like a am dreaming, see, like what I used to do, being played in the business Because I used to go to the cinemas and watch some movies, but like I never thought one day I'll see my story being acting in the in the.
0: Real, real it's really special because the, the the essence of our journey together and the spirit really of our partnership and the, the the competing and the paddling and the goal and the achievement and all of that and eventually getting there through 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 really facing uh, many obstacles. That's all there in the film, and that's that's really what's essential to me, the message that we want to get out there. The the individual characters and their personalities on on screen are, 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 I hope, totally different to ours. Um, The experiences they go through are are, are sometimes a lot tougher than I've ever had to face. Um, My character I don't think is a particularly nice person, Um, so I hope that's not true uh, (laughs) true, true to reality. So yeah, I think that they've made some changes and they've, they, you know, they had to adapt it, it needed to be a feature film which would really speak to people and um, in a very short space of time. So they, they needed to make some changes and, and I really think they've done, they've done an amazing job. I think it's, a, I think it's an incredible film. and uh, yeah, I just hope people get out there and see it because it's, it's got so much to, to tell South Africans. How do you want to do the trace with me? You're strong and you don't give up. And I want to be
1: like that. The other one who said has must become like one person and one not. Oh, that Is that the ocean? That's the first time I see it.
0: So, um, can you hear me all right if I walk away? Can you? Great. Okay, um, so... As I said, you know, um, yes, I made a, a film which was, uh, in fact, incredibly successful, more successful than, than uh, Sturkinecourt predicted and more successful than uh, many of us had, uh, had hoped. Um, but I think, you know, for, 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 for me, what, what I want to speak to you today about is, is the reality and the real story um, on which it was based. Um, so, you know, I was just a, a very normal kind of kid. Um, at school I wasn't uh, I definitely wasn't performing academically well enough to be an actuary that uh, that I can tell you and um, Most of the time what I really wanted to do was was run um, Somehow running was something that I was good at and it was something that I enjoyed and um, It was uh, for me something um, I became passionate about um, and uh, my academics were rather neglected and um, I kind of just uh, got really focused on, on my sport. And um, when uh, the other thing I really enjoyed actually was, was, uh, was English, was uh, writing and, um, and literature and poetry and um, not so much on the math side. Um, but uh, eventually I left school, I went to, to Witz to study, and um, I, I found a bunch of mates there at the Witz Athletics Club who were just as passionate, enthusiastic as, as myself about this, uh, this, this running sport. Um, for us, it became almost like a, like a cult. We, we organized our own uh, strange uh, races. You know, we, we raced a kilometer down Jansmuts Avenue past the zoo there um, at, at midnight. And we, we, we had these, these crazy events that uh, we invented, which we, we enjoyed. And as I say, it was kind of a quite a strange sort of cult Thing, but we, we loved love this this sport. It's a very healthy kind of cult thing to be involved in, actually. Um, you know, people say I've got my dragon, I'm happy with it. Well, for us, it was uh, it was a very healthy uh, thing that we that we were getting kind of involved in. Um, and um, then uh, when I was uh, in around uh, third year, fourth year, I think it was, um, I was 20, approaching 21, and. Um, I was out running one day and my knee started to hurt, my right knee in fact, and um, it was the start of what was um, quite a serious um, injury. And um, I wound up going from specialist to specialist, physios, um, kineticists, biokineticists, um, surgeons. Eventually I saw one of the top surgeons in, in the country who said to me, you know what, there is, a, there is an operation that I can do. And, um, there's a, there's a 50% chance, know you guys like to deal with figures, but he said to me, there's a, there's a 50% chance that, uh, that it'll be better if I do the operation. And I said, um, well, that's great. What, what, what's, what, what about the other 50%? And he said, um, well, there's a 50% chance that it will be worse. Um, and I thought, well, I can walk. I can, I'm okay. I, you know, can't do the thing I really love most, but uh, I can do this at least. Um, so... Um, I kind of thought, well, maybe that's it. And you know, I'd got um, I'd got fairly good at, at running. Um, I wasn't the best uh, the best runner in the country, but at the at the South, South African Students' Champs, for example, I'd, I'd run a, a five thousand metres, of five k, in sixteen minutes and a few seconds. And that's a great time for um, your average runner or jogger. But you know, we we're really competitive um, in our our vets, our vets, um, crew. And there was a guy, um, Mark Ince, who, who was a good mate of mine, a good runner as well. He'd finished um, just behind me. And he said, um, you do realize that if Haile Gebrselassie, Selassie, and Haile Gabriel Selassie was the, the world champion over 5,000 5, meters, world record holder, Olympic champion at the time. And he said to me, if, if Haile, you know, if Haile had been running today, he would have, um, he would have lapped us. Um, <laughs> twice. Twice. So." Um, you know we are good at this thing, but not the best, not fantastic in, in, in terms of, of kind of world, uh, sort of um, worldwide uh, standards. Um, and what actually happened was while I had this, I was dealing with this injury and trying to get over it. It's quite traumatic, actually. You know when someone is so passionate about something and they're told them that they're not going to be able to do it anymore. Um, I, um, I went to see my dentist, and you know dentists like to talk to you while they're pushing things in your mouth and. Dealing with your, you know, sucking your, all your saliva out and you can't talk when they do that. But then they ask you questions and tell you things and, I don't know, somehow they enjoy that type of, it's a bit one-sided, the conversation. But he was, uh, he was saying to me, so how's, he was a runner, my, my dentist, and he was also a canoeist. And he was saying to me, how's your running going? And, I, oh, well, yeah. and he was saying to me, well, I'm sorry to hear that, um, but um, why don't you try canoeing? Canoeing is a, an interesting sport. It's a, an endurance sport, which is what you like and you're good at, and it's very easy on the knees because you're sitting down half the well, you're sitting down while you're doing it. Um, so I, I thought, you know, I've always been a pretty skinny sort of guy, and I thought of cold water, and uh, I don't know if that was sort of the thing for me, but you know, he had these things in my mouth. It was hard to argue. Um, so he lent me a boat and a paddle, and um, I gave the sport a bash. And it turned out for me that this, this injury that had been such a, um, really a drawback and a, a stumbling block in my time turned out to be the most um, fortunate thing. It was a blessing in disguise because I was actually a much better canoeist than I had been a runner. Um, I enjoyed a wonderful career in the sport of canoeing. Um, when I say career, I don't think you can actually make a living out of it. Um, you, there are very few people who, who, who can, but um, I represented South Africa on um, seven occasions, uh, World Cups, World Championships, fantastic events. Um, I won most of the uh, ra- uh, races in the country, um, but the one race I really absolutely loved was the doozy Canoe Marathon. Now, um, the doozy is a, is, a, is a race on the rivers between Petermaresburg and Durban, so it's bit like Comrades Marathon um, on the rivers, though, um, it never alternates and goes back up, fortunately. <laughs> so uh, that's one, one difference. But what, uh, what it does do is it alternates singles and doubles every year. So one year, all the, co- the, the main competition is in the singles event, so you're in a boat on your own, and the next year it'll be in a doubles event. You'll be um, p- partnered with somebody if you want to um, compete. Um, and I had a fantastic career. In uh, in this doozy, it's a it's a tough race. It's a hard race. You you're going through uh, up and down through rapids um, in the river. You, you know you can get washed out of your boat. You can get hurt. Um, you, you when you, uh, there's some sections where you take shortcuts um, uh, across either a really a, a, a much shorter distance on land um, or where there's something that's too dangerous, a waterfall or a uh, a or something that's too, or a dam wall, something that's too dangerous to to, to shoot in your boat, and um, you get out and run with your boat. But it's it's hot and humid. It's, it's it gets to 40 degrees there in the Doozy Valley, and, and it's you know that, that KZN um, humidity in the in, in the in the valleys and the steep hills that you run up. It's a tough, tough event. But um, I really loved it, and um, I was I was good at it. I, uh, for, the, for finishing in the top 10 of the, the doozy, as as with the Comrades Marathon, you, you get a gold medal if you finish in the top 10. And um, I managed to to achieve nine gold medals by um, the 2013 doozy race. And, you know, by then, I was, uh, in terms of an athlete's um, point of view, I was getting to the end of my career. I was 39 years old. Um, most of the guys competing at the front there will be, be between... Um, sort of you know, around 1920 and, and up to 30. So time was running out to get a 10th gold, uh, gold medal um, and lined up for that 20, uh, 2013 doozy hoping to, to, it was a singles race, hoping to to get a 10th gold medal and maybe sort of walk away from the sport a bit, focus on family and work and other things that uh, that kind of I've maybe been neglecting over, over the years. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna hand over to Saseko. Um, his is, as the movie director told us, his is the more interesting story actually. Um, and um, they told me very quickly, it's great and you've got a job you love and a family and it's boring. Um, which is why they ho- Hollywoodified the movie so, so much. But um, I'm gonna hand over to Saseko to tell you um, how he got to that, that 2013 GZ.
1: Um, Thanks, Piers. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, as Pierre said, uh, my name is Siseko Ntondini. I was born in Eastern Cape, called Manfred. And when I was young, I was a naughty boy. I used to, uh, I used to run. I love running, but I wasn't committing. So uh, staying in Eastern Cape, I used to have this dream that, oh, this wish that I want to come in Jobeck. You know, I heard a lot about Jobeck. It's a city of gold. Nice buildings, nice lights. So I had that, and I wished, uh, always had this thing in my in my mind, that. One day I wish to go and experience this life. So luckily my dad found a job in Velcom in the mines. So my dad broke a story to us. He said, hey guys, we're going to, to Joburg." And I was so excited. Like uh, always, uh, I saw that my, my wish is coming, is coming through. So we went to, from Eastern Cape in Manfred. we went to live in Cliptown. So in Cliptown, we went to live in a squatter camp in the shack. So there we were not allowed to go outside because it was dangerous. We were not allowed to leave our premises. And uh, I was a bit disappointed, but I was still happy that I'm in, I'm in Gauteng, I'm in Jobek. My dad used to live in, the, in, the, in our shack, we went to go and work in Velcom for like for a week and come back. And when time goes on, like after a year or something, luckily my dad found another place next to Paraguay Hospital in uh, Elias Mutsualedi. So that's where I saw the life. It was also a squadra camp, but I enjoyed myself. I went outside, I used to make friends. And I, I love, I love being like outside, uh, running around, being naughty, doing some silly things. <laughs> and uh, the sad part is my dad used to come and ask me, hey son, do you play sport? I said, yeah, I did, I play soccer, I'm, I'm a, I'm a backline. I didn't even know what position it was, but as I said to him, I'm a peg line, I'm a defender. So, uh, uh, where I dropped, there's a river, uh, there's a river, it's a dirty river, so we're not allowed to go there, we like, being naughty, we used to go there just, just to enjoy, play in, the, in, play in the water. So we used to get this old fridge, uh, old used fridge. We used to like wrap the, the fridge apart and there were some buoyancy there. So we used to, we used to take those buoyancy, I uh, playing in the water just to make ourselves like, feel like we're in the boat, but we even d- didn't know that we in the boat. So, uh, one day, there's a guy called, there's a guy started at the club in Soweto called the Rhino. He's a colored guy. He came to us, like we were watching, we were in the garage watching, watching a TV, watching a wrestling. He came to us, he said, hey guys, do, come and play canoe. He said, canoe? Never heard about canoe. <laughs> he said, said what is canoe? Uh, he said, canoe. And luckily we was going with, with another black guy and that guy said Ikepe. Oh he said oh <laughs> So we started knowing that oh it's like it's a spot in the water. We we went there, we were like so excited because he used to love water. We went there, we love that spot, we like we were, like enjoying ourselves. And we thought this we thought this spot it's a white spot thing. Like let's go and enjoy ourselves. We never like we never go so we never go far about this spot because uh, like white, white people are doing this sport. So us, we know, we not, i never seen a black guy doing this sport. So I thought, let me just enjoy myself, just to have fun. And uh, while I was, uh, after, after, after our practice, I had to go back home and tell my parents, and tell my mom, and tell my dad, that I'm playing, I'm playing this, kind of, this kind of sport. And I, luckily they were sitting in a table, so I had to break the news. I said, uh, mom, dad, I'm playing canoe. <laughs> uh, my mom, they look at me like they didn't even know what I was saying. My, and my dad said, uh, is that a soccer? I said, it's a canoe. <laughs> I, uh, I said, uh, I also said, he gap And my mom was so uh, frustrated. My dad was amazed. He said, my dad said, I thought you were playing soccer. I said, yeah, but I left soccer a long time, and I wasn't in helping in, in, in the field, so I went for, for a new sport. They said, what's canoe? I said, you, like, you play in the water? <laughs> uh, my dad said, in this b-, and because where I played, there was a big dam, and they used to, to warn us about that dam, and they said, you're playing in that dam? I said, yeah, <laughs> it's safe. I, like I said, yeah, it's safe. They give us life again. There's some people around us, And my mom said, my dad smiled, my mom said, you're not going there. I said, why? She said, because there's a big snake in that dam that will eat you. (laughs) I think uh, because we, as black people, got that belief in the water that there are are big snakes that are going to eat us. My mom had that belief. I also had that belief, but I said, let me take chances. Uh, but my mom said you're not doing the sport, and my dad, like my dad, didn't even had, had to to like to come with his own on on view. He said, uh, "My son, you can hear your mom say you, not, you don't have to play a sport." My my dad, uh, when my mom goes to bed, my dad said, "Don't worry, son. Go and play the sport. I'll to your mom. I'll say you went to play soccer." <laughs> <laughs> So I uh, keep on spang, playing the sport, enjoying myself. Uh, every day I come back home, I lie to my mom. Uh, he'll ask me how the practice go. I said, fine. <laughs> and it was like boring. Every day I had to come, different stories. And luckily one day, uh, the club took us to Imarensha in Drenside. So in Drenside, it's where we meet PS and we, some like lot of white people are doing the sport. <laughs> And um, after, after our time trial, they give us this food parcel to take back at home. So we are happy that we received something in the sport. And my dad was, in, was, was not at home. My mom was worried. I came back late, around 8 o'clock. My mom was worried. So I, when I get back at home, uh, I, I put this uh, food parcel in the table, and she asked me, where have you been? I said, oh, mom, you know, uh, I never stop playing the sport. She said, "Why?" I thought, I thought I made it clear to you to said you not, don't have to play the sport. I said, mom, but it's safe. And like I, while I was telling the story, I was taking everything out that was in, in that food and I was taking everything out. I said, mom, look, look what you got also in the sport. She said, oh, OK, my son. You can continue playing the sport. <laughs> because you, at least you're getting something out of it. So since from then, I started playing the sport, uh, enjoying myself. Though I, though I had that thing in my mind that it's, it's a white sport thing, let me just enjoy myself, receive those food parcels, take them back home. <laughs> and one day, the club, the company that sponsored the club, Edrich, they took us to KZN. So in KZN, it's where the, this, uh, this canoe sport, a lot of black people are doing it. So it's where I meet a lot of uh, black folks who are doing the sport. And... They introduced us to the guys who did well in Tuzi. They said uh, these two black guys that did well in duzy, and the the first black guys to be in the podium in Tuzi. So I was so interested, and I was, I said to myself, this is not a white, it's not a white spot thing, actually. And f- since from then, I said to myself, I want to do well. I want to do well in Tuzi because doozy is a, they every like every uh, say in in South Africa they recognize duzy because. They got this, they televised it, they, they, it appeared in the news, appeared in the papers. So I said to myself, because Doozy, it's a moss, it's nice uh, race, I want to do well in Doozy. Let me focus on Doozy. So uh, I went to school, we came back home. I, t- I told my mom, I said, Mom, you know, this sport, there are some two black guys are doing well, and they're doing well in Doozy. My mom didn't know Doozy, but I said, <laughs> I said Yeah, in Doozy. And I want to do well in Doozy, I want to get a, a gold medal. So I said, go for it, my child. You never know. And I trained. I went to school, come back from school, never studied, put the books away, go for training. <laughs> so in 2010, uh, luckily I was elected to go to Tunisia. So I was so excited. I like, would uh, never been in the airport. So I, I took my mom, the club took my mom and my dad. They took us in the airport. I was so excited to be in the airport. And I was in the plane. I was so happy. I went to Tunisia. I raced so hard, I came back with two gold medals. So uh, I saw the sport is coming along. My my goals or my dreams are coming along. But my main focus was on doozy. So as Pierre said, in 2013, I did doozy. They they bought me a new boat because I I was the strongest, I was a competitive peddler in Soweto. They bought me a new boat. They bought me new clothes, new life jacket, new shoes. So I was like, I was, I was gonna win the race. <laughs> and I did the race very well, and then I came number 11. <laughs> to come number, in Juicy, to come number 11, you're the first guy to be called for to get a silver medal. And when they call you, they tell you to go in the tent, in the, in behind the the main tent to get your silver medal there. You don't go there. They don't clap hands for you. <laughs> 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 you just go in the in in, in in the in the tent and receive your gold medal to to the timekeepers. So I was the first guy to be called, and I was I was inside. I thought to myself, it's not it's not the end of the road. There's still more doozy to come. And luckily, I had some uh, Piers' friend talking in the background saying, our PS didn't finish, he had some bad luck, he's still coming. And you know, we've been, uh, as a youngster, we've been looking up on, 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 on the guys like PS, Jag because they were doing well in, in, in Jorbeck. We always received these uh, peddling markers, and we used to see these guys. And we used to go to Amarantia to, uh, and peddle with these guys. We always had this wish that one day we wish to be in the, in the boat with these, uh, these white guys that doing well. So I saw an opportunity there, I said to myself, this is my opportunity to wait in the finish line, even though Pierce is coming last. <laughs> 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 to wait in the finish line and ask him, can I, can I do the race? And I waited there, he came, And I went to him, I said, well done, man, you finished finished your race. (laughs) He looked at me with a pity face, he said, I said, can I do a race with you next year? He said to me, why don't you ask, I told him, I said, I I I finished number 11 to make him, to boost his confidence. I said, I finished. (laughs) I finished number 11. He said, yeah, well done, man, you did well. I said, uh, can I do the rest with you next year? They said, no, why don't you get someone who's good, who did well, in, who did well, uh, who, who is in top 20? I said, no, I just want to be, I just want to do the rest with you next year. They said, yeah, I will think about it. Uh, I said, oh, uh, I heard, uh, I had some hopes because he said he will think about it. And we came in Joburg. Luckily, in, uh, in our club, this guy, Brad Fisher, he's Pierce's friend. So we went to, I went to him. Because he was open, I went to him, I said, Can you please smooth talk Piers? Tell him that I'm a rising star, I'm doing well. <laughs> Can he consider doing the race with me next year? And uh Brad Fisher work is magic. He went to Piers and uh, lucky uh, when I came to Tram Tom- Tom- and Piers said to me, No, let's 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 jump in the K two, let's do the race. And s- since from then we, Pierce, <laughs> we did a race.
0: So, um, Saseko loves that part about where, where I came last in. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know. he, uh, he never he never um, neglects to to emphasise it, um, but but I think it needs a little bit of contextualising um, <laughs> so, um, before before we move on. So. Um, I ended there at the start of the 2013 uh, race. I've let him get a bit ahead there. So I'll <laughs> just, uh, just catch up my side of the story a bit. Yeah. But, um, so there was 39, um, trying to get a 10th gold medal. And um, I was, uh, you know, the doozy's is a three-day race. I wasn't having a particularly good race. I'd been a bit sick. I was maybe a bit old, I don't know what, uh, but I, any number of excuses, but it wasn't going very well. Um, and on the third day of the race, um, you paddle across Inanda Dam, you've joined the Amgeni River, so it starts off in the Umzunduzi River, joins the Mgani River, it's now a much bigger, wider river. And there's a section um, about 18 kilometers or an hour or so from the, from the finish, where the river narrows and it goes down a, a weir. And there's a pump house, a water pump house there. They call it pump house weir. And um, I was approaching the weir outside of the top ten. If you shoot this weir, I mean, it's dangerous, it's big. It's probably, you know, from, from the top of the screen slopes down at sort of a 45-degree angle to, to the floor, you know, about this far. Uh, and this entire river is channeled into quite a small space. Uh, there's white water. It's aerated there. It's... Um, it's quite a dangerous thing. If you shoot the, the weir, you make up, you'll make up about uh, a minute or so. Um, but there's the danger that something could go wrong. Right after the weir, there's a dangerous set of rapids, also in the narrow stretch of, of the river. And um, most of the guys don't, don't uh, shoot the, the, the weir. They do a quick uh, run around it, get back in the other side, and take the minute loss, and um, that's, that's how they race it. But I thought I'd better shoot it. I was behind trying to make up time. Um, I shot this, uh, this weird. and the, the, in the film, they actually did um, justice to, our, to, to the races, to that, that race and that event. They showed it quite well, so I'm just going to show you pretty much what, uh, what happened. Maybe I must just press on the right computer. That will help. <laughs> So um, you know you have to just um, excuse the, the actors; the, they're not as nearly as good-looking. The, the <laughs> what, what, what I mean is, my wife is a lot prettier than the <laughs> than the, the girl in the in the movie. But um, um, you know, th- this is what happened: I, I, I smashed my boat um, in half. Um, you know, th- th- those those top boats are made of Kevlar. It's, it's what bulletproof vests are made of. They're they're strong. But um, as I slid down, that we're um, my paddle snapped. I fell out the boat, um, not dissimilar to what, what what they showed in the movie. And I ended up having to to walk to to the end of the race. Um, you know, there are a number of things. If you, I've always felt that if you if you start a challenge like this, you've got to do your absolute best to to finish it. Um, you really must. Um, but the other thing is that if you if you kind of if you give up because you're not going to win or you're not going to win a gold or you're not going to... To me, I think it's it's almost like it detracts from the achievement of the majority of of the competitors. You know, most people are there to finish the event, get a bronze medal or, or whatever it is, a finisher's medal. And those 2,000 people are there to finish. And if you're going to give up just because you're not going to win or you're not going to get what you set out your goal that you set out to do, I think it's insulting. So I had to get to the finish. Felt it was Im- Im- important. Um, there are also limited ways to get to the finish from from there. So. Um, by the time I eventually got to the finish, I mean, it was thorns and brambles, and, and um, it was, uh, yeah, I was chased by dogs. Um, I had a, a turret <laughs> time up and down cliffs, and the pathways just run out, and you've got to find another way swimming across the river with these two halves of a boat. I eventually got to the finish, it was getting dark, it was about six, six o'clock in, in the evening there at Blue Lagoon. There were a couple of fishermen still there, but no spectators, or very few spectators, no uh, the the, the prize-giving was over, the marquee had been packed up, everyone had gone home. Um, even my second, you know, the person who drives your car to the finish for you, had given my keys to the timekeeper and had gone. So, <laughs> things were, were pretty bleak. And as I crossed the finish line, as Susserko said, he, he was there and he'd waited. And um, he asked me to, to do the race the following, the following year. Now, it took a bit of, um, it did take a bit of convincing. Um, at first I didn't want to see a boat again. I didn't want to see another paddle. I'd had enough. Uh, I'd really had a, a tough day and I wasn't interested at all. Um, but it was a, an up-and-coming or well, rising star in the in the Soweto club and um, thanks to some smooth talking, as Saseko said, from, from a guy called Brad Fisher, I did eventually agree to do the race with him. So we started training for, for the following year, the 2014 doozy. And um, you know, paddling a, a, a double canoe is a bit like doing a three-legged race. You know, you can take, you can take the fastest two runners here in this room and um, pair them up against everybody else in a three-legged race. They might not win because if their stride lengths are too different, they're not going to combine and they're not going to be able to, to work together well enough to, to win the race. And um, when we started paddling together, it's very similar in a canoe. It's, it's a case of you need that synergy, you need that... That, um, that teamwork, you need to understand each other, you need to work together. We had very different strokes, very different stroke rates, and very different styles of, of paddling. Now, what you ge- generally tend to do is you put the more experienced guy in front because they drive the, the, the boat through the rapids, they, they choose the channels, they make the decisions, the tactical it's a very tactical sport, make the tactical decisions about which, which parts you're going to run, which parts you're going to paddle, etc. And um, so I started off um, sitting in the front of the boat, and um, what, uh, what we found was our boat just went nowhere. You know, we're paddling here at Emerentia Dam, there were guys beating us who we, we should have been so much better than, and we, um, we were really battling. Um, I'm gonna hand over to, to Saseko to tell a little bit yeah. about his training uh, together.
1: Cool. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, training together. <laughs> our boat didn't go anywhere <laughs> when Pierce was driving. <laughs> but I didn't mind that, I was, I was so happy because I was sitting with a guy that I always wished to be in the boat with. And uh, when Brad Fisher saw that, he came to us and said, why don't you swap, why don't I sit in front, and I sit in the back, and Pierce sit in the back. So, first of all, when Pierce said to me, when he broke the news that we're going to pedal together, I was so happy. But things changed, that I had to eat proper. I had to wake up in time, you know, I, I was always late. So he used to shout at me, like, why are you late? Even though I, <laughs> I had my own reasons. And uh, it was like a change, of, change in my life. And when Brett suggested that I had to sit in front of a boat, I was so angry. I thought Pierce would say to me, no, it's over, I don't wanna play with you because you wanna take, you wanna be in charge, you wanna control everything. And uh, But Pierre said, no, you can sit in front, and I thought, oh, this, this will be hard to me because my English wasn't that proper, still battling in English, and uh, I was still from high school. And I thought to myself, when you speak some big words, how, how, do we, how could I reply because I would be tired? <laughs> <laughs> but I said to myself, let me take chances, let me just sit in front and see what it, how, it, how it goes. And I did sit in front and our boat, from there our boat just took off, we went so fast, we were were doing so well, we we made up some time, we trained so hard, and we we got the speed that we needed. Uh, While we were training, I injured myself, we were running with the boat, so I injured myself. So, I thought, let me not tell him, let me just keep it a secret, but it was hurting. I said, let's let's stop, Uh, I injured myself something minor, I'll put ice in the morning and I'll be fine. He said to me, are you, are you sure? I said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, I'll be fine in the morning. Because I, I did not tell him because, you know, I drop up in this, uh, in this environment where, where when you hurt yourself, the guys will just send you back at home. They said, because you're not capable to be in our group, just go back at home. So I thought Piers would say to me, because you injured yourself, let's, let's don't do it, doozy. Let me find another partner. But Piers was more supportive, he said to me, uh, no, I took you to a doctor in Morningside, and that doctor helped me. He put me in this uh, scanning machine, and he came to me said, your bones are weak. <laughs> I said, uh, my bones are weak? He said, yeah. <laughs> you know, in my mind, I had that thing in my mind. My dad used to say to me, if you want to be strong, my son, you must eat a lot of pub. <laughs> and I thought, my dad, that means my dad was lying because I was eating a lot of pub. <laughs> and suddenly the doctor saying to me, my bones are weak now <laughs> but they said no these things happen I said okay and I had to uh, PS used to take uh, fetch me at home used to leave me in this morning side. I used to train this treat uh, me uh, anti drive running machine so I managed to keep on training there but I wasn't putting too much pressure in my in my leg PS2 used to run alone but our we used to pedal together but we used to uh, not run I thought that would affect our doozy, because doozy is about running. You like pedal like 20 minutes or 10 minutes and you run a lot, you run in that steep hill. So I said to myself, "Listen, end of my doozy. I won't do well in my doozy, but I was, I was, I was fine, I said, let me take chances, we'll do doozy. And, uh, and we trained, and like, sadly we miss a lot of races, we missed these qualifying races. So doozy to be in the, in the front row, you have to do some sitting races. So we missed those races because of my leg. So we had to start in, in row number two. So in, if you start in row number two, you're you like uh, 50-50. You like 50 50 you do not have a chance to get a gold medal. You do have a chance to get a gold medal. But our, our running wasn't that strong enough. So we thought we won't get any gold medal. So we thought, let's, give it a, let's just give it a go and, and do our
0: doozy. So um, as, as the circle says, it was a real disadvantage for us. Um, lining up in the, in the second row of, of uh, the start of the doozy. I mean, there's, there, it's, it's um, divided into batches. you got A batch, B batch, C batch, all the way down to about, I don't know, M, N, O. Um, but the front batch, the A batch, is divided into those three rows of 20. Um, so it was a little bit disappointing that because having missed the qualifying races, firstly because the boat wasn't going well when, when I was in the front. And secondly, because of Saseko's injury, we were starting a little bit at a little bit of a disadvantage. Um, but I'm going to show a little clip from, from the film. Um, you know, for the film, they actually used some live uh, footage as well. So, inter, kind of inter, intermixed with um, the actors and what they, they reshot. And um, I'm just going to stop it there where you see the start of the race. And it's, um, it is the live footage, and you can actually see where we are. And um, we'll carry on from there with, with, with the race.
1: I guess I'll try to say. really touch now.
0: Good boy, good boy, carry on. Good boy, good boy, carry
1: on. Long walk to freedom. i nanti. Um Where are live.
0: So um, you'll see there's a boat here in the second row, um, oh here here we are here, um, that's really straight after the start, we got such a great start, Siseko has such good speed, his stroke rate was so much faster than mine that it kind of, it forced me to, to, to I, I paddled a slower, more powerful stroke rate, it forced that power to come through quicker and um, as soon as Siseko was driving the boat we had such good speed that um, we had the most awesome start at the start of the race. We went from the second row, we were up. um, After about uh, three minutes here, you paddle along this flat stretch of river. There's a a weir there, Ernie Pierce Weir. You go down that weir, then there's another about a 10-minute paddle, and you come to a a second um, weir. And um, by that point, there were um, three boats, I think, in, in front, and then a group of, uh, of eight boats from, from fourth to twelfth uh, position. And we were right in there at the back of that bunch. So we, right from the start, we were up inside the top 10 and, and things were going well and, and really looking good. Um, so I'm gonna play a little bit here then. Um, after this, uh, this clip, there's a little bit of live footage which uh, I'm gonna show and then I think we must, we'll, we'll reflect on and, and talk about what, what actually happened. So, So that was taken from the actual race, and then the next extract is the, the SuperSport uh, super coverage, um, which they, where they actually captured what, what happened in, that, in the next wear. Just behind them, it's rush hour, as Abatch crams down the wear side by side, bumping and barging, and there's drama with some big names in trouble. Piers Crookshanks and Siseko and Tordini are out here, also Lance Keim and Tulani Mbanjua, huge upset in the first few minutes of the race. So, would you care to explain this circle? <laughs> <laughs> so I just had to get a little bit of uh, revenge at some point.
1: Yeah, uh, uh, I'll say uh, as Pierce said, we did a fantastic start, start, and we made up. We were in top in top twelve, so we were in the bunch from number number three to to number twelve. So we were like we were happily in top ten. And we went, so, we went so well in the first, in the first rapid, we, we, made it, we made it clean. In the second rapid, it's where I, I broke my pedal. I, I didn't know what happened, but I, I fell off, then I pressed my pedal, then it, it gets snapped. So Pierce didn't, didn't see what happened, because my pedal gets snapped and then it came back and it, it flipped back, it was like correct again. But I saw it, I, I couldn't continue with it. So I, I jumped out of the boat, I didn't tell him what's happening just ran to, to uh, as you saw me there, I was going to ask for a spare pill. When I was going to every, like, everyone who was watching, and I was going to them, can, I, can you please borrow me a spare pill? Because I couldn't see our seconders, And everyone was saying, no, we're waiting for our guys. What, what, what will happen if I give you this paper and they have similar incident? So I had to find our, our seconders. Luckily, I saw them in a the distance. So I ran straight to them. I didn't even, to them, I didn't talk to them. I just grabbed the spare pill that they were having. So I, was, I had to head back to Pierce now. I was so, uh, i say I was so heartbroken, uh, disappointed, and I was feeling, uh, I was feeling so, I, I had this thing that uh, it's my fault, and Pierce will shout at me in the boat. I told to myself why I'm going back there, because the guy will <laughs> say to me, this is your fault, man, this is your fault, you made this thing. And everyone was gone, with we were the last guy in, in, that, in that bench. Uh, but I said, let me go and face, face Piers. I went to him, he was already sitting in the boat, putting his plushie, he was waiting for me. So I said to myself, oh, this guy will shout at me. And when I was like getting in the boat, like I was, already, I was ready that he can shout now. <laughs> 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 and luckily, Piers said some good words. He said to me, oh, it's a bad luck, man. Let's do this three day race. So if we, if we give up now, that means we, we, we don't care about our race, that means we're not dedicated, that means we're not working together. She so said to me, think about it, do this three-day race, we, we, had, we had like five minutes accident, what's happening in the, in the front, guys? What, what, what are the front guys doing? How, how come if they, what, don't you think if they're having some similar accident? So we mustn't give up, must keep on going. So from, since from then I said to myself, because the guy believes on me, so he wants this partnership to work together, so I said, I'll give him everything that I got. I was going as hard as I can, I was killing myself. Even though when, when I was tired, he would ask me, hey man, how are you feeling there in front? i will say to him, I'm still fresh, even though I was tired.
0: <laughs> I just want to say that, you know, when you're running up some of those hills, they're so steep and it's such hard work. And this guy's just running and you're following because you don't want to let him down either. And uh, you think, if you could just take a few steps easy here, it's just how you you in there, Saseko? And you would say, I'm fresh. It was the last thing in the world that I wanted to hear. I
1: said that because I thought, if I'll say to him I'm tired, he will say to me, you had a five minutes rest. <laughs> how can you be tired now? So since from there we went so hard, luckily... Uh, our combination since from then we like we caught a lot of guys we caught, we made up our time in day one we amazingly we we did well and
0: we were in top ten so um you know i think in in the in in the making of a film it's uh, you've got an hour forty to tell a story that for us was a, a year long um experience, and um you know the over the course of the the year the 's journey, um, we developed quite a trust in a partnership you, you do you know you 're relying on the other guy you 're pinning your your dreams together, and um, we developed a really good understanding in the boat and a, and a trust. They um, kind of condensed that, um, that 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 sort of experience in many ways in the film and one of the things they did was they took this incident where um, we, we were out running the one-day training, running with our boat in the, the botanical gardens at Emerentia and this, this little dog came running and chased Seiko, and you know, I chased, you know, he's scared of little dogs, you know. <laughs> and um, uh, I chased the, the owner and the dog and whatever. Anyway, they, they, they showed this, this scene in the, in the film um, in a slightly different way, you know, where, where um, Steve who's, who's my character and, and Duma running there and, and Duma runs away from the dog and Steve says what are you worried about that thing's tiny and they have this, um, this understanding where Steve says to him you've got to look the dog in the eye and it becomes like a mantra for them in the film you've got to look the dog in the eye you've got to face your, your fears and um, you know we came up to that, that, that final weir um, that pump house weir in, in, in the river and um by that stage, we already knew that we were going to shoot it because we built our trust. We knew our partnership was good. Uh, I, I believed in Saseko in shooting it. Um, but in the movie, it's all kind of a last-minute thing. And uh, you'll see Steve, Steve doesn't want to shoot it. And, and Dumas is his legs hurting from his injury, um, which, I mean, was, was fairly true in that. And... Um, Duma says to Steve look the dog in the eye and so I'm going to show this this clip from the film which I think uh, represents sort of towards the end of the race quite uh, quite well.
1: We're not shooting! What? We we'll never catch
0: them! The legs not feeling cool! I don't know man. Let's see if we look at the dog in the eye! Yes! Hey. Yes! They're shooting pump Why are they shooting pump No, yeah, but they're shooting pump house. Yeah, just keep the left
1: and hold If you were good,
0: Just um, yeah, you know, uh, I just want to say, uh, first of all, thank you to the Actuarial Society for, for inviting us and having us here to to share our journey with people. It's I think been the it's been the greatest privilege of all. First of all, having the amazing experience that that we enjoyed, and then having it extended through a film, a, um, a book as well, and um, you know having the, the chance to come and chat to people and, and share the experience has been incredible. Um, thank you to Cyan um, for the invitation. Um, and I'm going to just let um, Siseko maybe um, finish off with a few words as well. Uh,
1: thank you, Piers. Uh, first of all, uh, you know, receiving that gold medal, take it, take it back at home. My mom was so happy, you know, he, he, because I, t- uh, I told him that one day I, wanna, I will get this gold medal in Tuzi. She was so excited. She said to, my, to me, my son, you can dream more. And since from then, you know my dad, you, I used to tell my dad, you know dad, where I played in Maranja, I used to meet these big uh, company guys that owns like uh, companies, and he said, "Is that true, my child?" I said, "Yeah, it's true. I meet like uh, CEO of of, of Eurostil." He said, "You know, my son, where I work, I never meet the CEO of the company. So you must stay in that, you must stay in the spot and you must must look, must look, uh, must look ahead. You, ne- you never know what will come with." And since from then, my community were like lot of young kids, they were allowing their kids to come to, to play the sport because they also had that fear, but now since I show that the sport, it's, it's, not, a, it's not a harm in the community, so they let their children to come and, and, and join the, the club, and it's, we, they, I'll say they're paying a lot back to, to our community because it's changing a lot uh, of youngsters' life because they took us to school, if not doing well at school, they said you're not going to a So you have to focus at school and do well in sport. And uh, they're giving some, us uh, some career guidance because, you know, growing up in Soweto, you don't have this thing in your mind that you, one day you become some, someone important in life. But since in sport, you're meeting some people important. So you have this dream that also you want to feel important. So you have to, like, study, do something well. And I'd like to thank you guys for allowing us to come and talk. And I hope you inspired. Thank you.
0: Okay, guys, so we're a bit behind time, but let's just take a quick comfort break, grab a coffee, 10 minutes, and then we'll be back for the last talk.